You want Vegas? You got it. America's Card Room has your $12,500 WSOP main event package waiting for you right now. And winning one is so, so easy. Enter a step tourney and climb your way to Sin City. Step start at just 28 cents, making it easy to live that Vegas dream for next to nothing. Prefer a satellite? Then get into WSOP Takedown Week from June 3rd through 9th, where 15 packages are on the line. Or find another satellite, with more added as we get closer to the famous Shuffle Up and Deal. If you win a package, you can take the trip to Vegas or keep the $12,500 cash and do whatever you want with it. Whether you go to Vegas or spend the cash on something else, make sure you're at America's Card Room on July 16th for the start of the $5 million Venom, our biggest ever online poker tournament and the largest one ever seen by a U.S.-facing site. To receive 100% first deposit bonus up to $1,000, new depositor free rolls, and free cash up to $50, use code THR. Here's when you hold them. River card queen of clubs. Are you kidding? A royal flush for Chris Moneymaker. If you're going to win, that's how you win. And here's when you fold them. I commend Dan Shack for having stones so big. They are now considered the islands of the Bahamas, but this bluff is risking crazy amounts of real money. Yeah, we'll work on that timing. I just lost like two million chips. I lost two million chips. This is the Texas Hold'em Radio Show. Live on Renegade Talk Radio. Live on Renegade Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Texas Hold'em Radio Show with your host, Wade Andrews, that's me, and Hal Koblenz, that's him. Hey, That's Hal. me. How are you doing, <laughs> sir? How are you doing, Wade? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. It is a night of poker. We're having a great time over at Texas Hold'em Radio playing poker at America's Card Room. Come on over and join us sometime. Join us in chat. Join us in the games. Win money without having to put any money in. That's a pretty good system. That's that's a good deal. I That's a free roll. Yeah, it's a free <laughs> roll. Yes, yes, it is. We are going to talk about some poker. And yes, this is based on conversations from earlier this week, but we will fill you in on it. Um, boy, how do you lead into this? Because it's been going on for so long. Um, don't go all in. How's that for a lead in? <laughs> you mean commit all your chips all the time? Yeah, in a tournament. <laughs> I think it's a good idea not to do that. Um, why? Well, because in a tournament, you're putting your tournament life on the line. Your decision's made. I your mean, decision's you, made. You've lost control. You have no control. Yep, you have just turned it over to the poker gods, and you know how the poker gods can be. <laughs> <laughs> they can be pretty fierce. <laughs> yeah, they can be pretty fierce. Um, now, that does not mean, now that, you know, this is a little bit of a ty- dichotomy here. Um not going all in all the time does not mean playing not playing aggressive. You can play perfectly aggressive without going all in. Actually, you can play more aggressive without going all in. Because once you're all in, it's done. It's done and over. There's right. you know there's nothing more. If you play aggressive and you make an aggressive bet pre-flop, uh, aggressive bet post-flop, an aggressive bet after the turn, you get to be aggressive three times, and you get control, and yeah. you don't control. put all your chips up. Right. Right. So we're going to talk a little bit about bet sizing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll talk. And, well, no, I mean, so many times, you you, you know, I, I think what has caused some of the challenges in bet sizing is TV. Wait, I think TV has oh, played yeah. a big part of that. Oh, because yeah. Because when you watch sh- whatever show you're watching, poker show that you're watching, you're only seeing the premier hands, the TV hands that they want to put on TV, they're not showing the four hours of folding that you, you've done, you know? And so they're showing the all-in that maybe you did once in a tournament, sure. you know? So that, I think, has played a big part of it because you hear so many times, all-in, all-in, all-in. I cannot – I play a lot of poker. You play a lot of poker. And very rarely am I committing all my chips in the night. Very rarely. The only time very I'm going to commit all my chips is when I know I got the hand. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, unless I'm, you know, when I'm playing serious. Now, we got to break this down, too, because we're seeing some comments about, you know, all in, fold, all in, fold. 
low-level micro-stakes games online. Um, you're going to see it all the time, all infold, all infold. Because as soon as they bust out this, they go jump into somebody else. I mean, yeah, literally we're within real, seconds. Um, yeah, we're talking serious poker. If you and you can play serious poker at micro stakes, you just got to be prepared for the yin yangs that aren't. Mm-hmm. So if you are playing online and you're playing micro stakes, you can play good poker, and it's a good thing to do because it prepares you for when you move up levels or for when you go play live. And I, I think one of the biggest mistakes I, I you know, I that I would say I see people make is the continuation bet. The bet sizing on a continuation bet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't know how to, what size to make it. Yeah, right. What size to make it? And I think that's where you get a lot of mistakes. And I'm speaking more from a cash game standpoint, and I know you speak from a tournament standpoint. But that's where I catch so many people because there's, you know, we always say the story doesn't match. So yeah. the, the story is part of bet sizing. Yeah, well, yeah, that's part of the story. You that's how that's how you tell the story, because mm-hmm. there's no other way to tell the story. You know, so you've got to do it through your bets and bet and sizing. I, yeah, you can, and it, it's that's also how you can set up math players, um, how you can trap people, um, how you can force people to make what we were talking about earlier. You can force people to make a bad decision. Right, and that's them. what you always want to do. It's you want to put the pressure on someone else. You don't. It's an. It's a very uncomfortable feeling having the pressure on you all the time, making having to make a decision. You yeah. know, and you want what well, you, you. You know, this is a game of decisions. It really is. You know, it's a game of decisions, and you want to make sure you make the fewest bad ones. So put yourself in a position where you don't have to make the really nasty, tough decisions. Right, And one way to do that, and one of the good ways to do that, is bet sizing. If you want to force somebody either all in, here's a, a, you know, a simple little thing. If you want to force somebody all in or to fold, bet just over half their chip stack. Now, we're not talking about chips in a pot. We are talking about the individual player's chip stack. Bet just over half of their chip stack. That puts them into a really bad decision. Tough decision. Very tough, tough decision. decision to make. It's for <laughs> over half my chips. Over half my chips. If I if I <laughs> if I call this, if I get in this, I'm either going to have to go all in, or I'm going to give up half my chips or right. fold. And so, and most of them will not even think that the go all in process. They will go into the hmm. Should I make that bet size? Uh, call that bet, or should I fold? And no echo. We're talking. We are talking tournament. You are never ever. And I don't care how much you argue with me about this. In tournament poker, you are never committed. Ever. There's no such thing as pot odds. There is no such thing in pot odds. This is an argument I always get in. In tournament poker. Now, cash poker, totally different story. Yes. Totally different story when you're playing cash. But if you're playing tournament poker, you are never pot committed. Because your chips have value. you got to remember that. And I get in this argument quite often with people when I say the statement, there's no pot odds in the tournament. There's pot odds, of course, in cash. Sure. But you got to remember every chip has value. There's too many so, times people have come back from one chip. Chip to, in a chair. To win a tournament. And yeah. it, you know, they, you know, Jack Strauss was the one they started it after. Linda Johnson's done it a couple of times. I've done it a couple of times online. I bet half the people in our chat room have done it before. Sure. So there's sure. really no such thing as being pot committed in a tournament. Cash, totally different thing. Oh yeah, totally different. But right now we're talking tournament play, and if you make that move on me, it doesn't matter how many chips I have. Where you've now bet a little bit more than half my stack. I'm looking at my stack and I'm saying, you know, the decision's on me right now. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I can't call. I can't call. So it's either fold or shove. For me, you are putting the pressure on me. You're making it very difficult for me because I am now at a point where I have to risk at least half my stack. I got to do it. I got to make a nasty decision. <laughs> it's I not a decision I want to make. Decision. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to make a real, real nasty decision. Absolutely. And you've put pressure on me that could cost me my tournament. Yep. And it's, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it could cost you. And we are, you know, we just, uh, we really, really have to verify, you know, confirm this because, you know, solidify it. 
We are mm-hmm. talking tournament poker. Okay, tournament play, yeah. Yeah, because when you're in cash, oh, yes, there is pot committed. I mean, oh, yes. <laughs> different story. Different story. Different story. <laughs> totally, literally, totally different story. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, literally, like you just said, because you're telling a different story in a cash game than you are in a tournament, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for the most part. So, yeah, I mean, Echo is saying, but aren't you committed to call if they shove? Yeah, that's what I was, that's why I just made that comment. That's why I was talking talking with echo your, your chat must be lagging a little bit oh yeah it just came up i'm sorry yeah no that's what we were just been talking about for the past two minutes because echo brought it up echo brings up some good stuff um hold on i'm in a big hand right now here with web <laughs> that's why oh he has a set of five i'm i'm you know nice. you, you're in trouble nice. yeah i'm in trouble um <laughs> yeah <laughs> he put the decision on me and i yeah. went over the top <laughs> but i went over the top so i couldn't call um, I had top pair, top kicker, so I I went over the top of him, mm-hmm. so the decision was on him. Easy decision when he had a set on a rainbow flop. Yeah, it's but, just it you know. uh, when um, yeah when you talk about it, you know you want to put the decision on them. If you shove all in, the decision is is it's over. You don't get to make any more decision. Their decision is real easy. Call or fold. Um, mm-hmm. You know it's none of that. Now, if you make the right size bets. You can literally, you can really put, you can put fear into people making the right size bets. You can actually put fear into people making right size bets a lot harder and stronger than you can doing the all-in. Sure. A lot of people are just used to all-ins, all-ins. You know, okay, we got to deal with people here that's going to be all-in. You know, well, well we're going to have to do this. Um, I can get the same results without risking my Oh, couch. I can get better results. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. You get to hammer at them a couple of three times. yeah. Yeah, yes. you can get better results by may just like you said, not repeating what you said, but it. So I guess what we want to teach is how do you, what kind of bet sizing do you come up with, Wade? You know, it depends. Well, and this is the number one answer to any poker question. It depends. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it, it really a lot of you know it depends on position, depends on the player, depends on chip stacks. Um, with bet sizing. I, t- I tend not to do as much of it. Damn, um, I tend not to do as much of it based on the pot as based on my opponent's chip stacks. Right. Which is a little bit different because we've talked a lot about you know you got to check your pot odds, um, you know compared to your hand odds. Um, you got to do that sort of stuff. Uh, but in these instances, I tend to base it upon my opponent's chip stack. Um, and you're. Tr- See, and it's funny because you're exactly right. You're talking tournament play because my mind being a cash player, when I play cash games, I'm basing it on the on the pot, you know. Yeah, Whereas yeah. Whereas in tournament, you're correct. You base it on on the, the the stack that the person you're up against. Well, and that, and see, that, that's after, you know, yeah, you did hear German Shepherd. That's for sure. Um, yeah, it, it depends on the players, depends on chip stacks. Um, depends on uh, you know, what my hand is. You know, I'm still going to work the pot kind of stuff. If the pot's not worth it, it's not worth it to mess with somebody else. You know, with the, you know, if the pot's a decent one, that's when I start looking at their stack. Do I want these people to call so I can take down this whole thing? If that's the case, I'm going to bet this way. If I want these people to fold, because uh, my hand, I got a hand, but it's my hand. You know, ah, they could. Yeah, it could be a shaky hand, you know. They might have a little bit better kicker or something like that. Um, I'll bet you know, a different size. That doesn't mean I'm gonna not gonna bet, but I'm gonna bet a different size. Um, I'm gonna bet them to to make them either. I'm gonna I want them to fold, so I'm gonna make half their stack bet. Well, it took me so long. It took me so long to just get in my head too that if I lay down this hand, guess what? I have another hand another coming. Hand. It's right around the corner. You know, here. oh, I think we tend to fall into kind of, we were talking last night about different kinds of tilt and you, and you get in that, you know, um, entitlement, whether it be entitlement or revenge and this guy's not going to beat me. Guess what? Sit back, take a deep breath. If fold the hand and you got another hand, you live for another, another hand. Sure. Yeah, you're you know, ready to you're ready to continue your chance. You cannot win a tournament with the first hand. You can lose it with the first hand, and well, that's the thing you got to remember: one hand and you are out. If you make the wrong decision, one hand and you're out. 
how many tournaments, Wade, have you played in where the chip leader is not the chip leader at first break could have a massive chip lead and in nine out of ten times is not the the final table. I mean, we see that just about every night we play over here. The, the, The early chip leaders, we don't see them at the final table because they don't know how to change up their game. They play super aggressive early on while it's still rebuys, which is totally understandable because it's a rebuy. Um, but they don't know how to change up their game. Um, and we got to go to a break. We'll be right back with more Poker Talk here on the Texas Hold'em Radio Show in just a minute. You want Vegas? You got it. America's Card Room has your $12,500 WSOP main event package waiting for you right now. And winning one is so, so easy. Enter a step tourney and climb your way to Sin City. Step start at just 28 cents, making it easy to live that Vegas dream for next to nothing. Prefer a satellite? Then get into WSOP Takedown Week from June 3rd through 9th, where 15 packages are on the line. Or find another satellite, with more added as we get closer to the famous shuffle up and deal. If you win a package, you can take the trip to Vegas or keep the $12,500 cash and do whatever you want with it. Whether you go to Vegas or spend the cash on something else, make sure you're at America's Card Room on July 16th for the start of the $5 million Venom, our biggest ever online poker tournament and the largest one ever seen by a U.S.-facing site. To receive 100% first deposit bonus up to $1,000, new depositor free rolls, and free cash up to $50, use code THR. Here's when you hold them. River card queen of clubs. Are you kidding? A royal flush for Chris Moneymaker. If you're going to win, that's how you win. And here's when you fold them. I commend Dan Shack for having stones so big. They are now considered the islands of the Bahamas, but this flop is risking crazy amounts of real money. Yeah, we'll work on that timing. I just lost like two million chips. I lost two million chips. This is the Texas Hold'em Radio Show. Live on Renegade Talk Radio. Live on Renegade Talk Radio. We're back to Texas Hold'em Radio Show with your host, Wade and Hal. Um, the second segment of the show, and uh, we up, we've gotten in some interesting talk about poker, and we're getting some great responses out of chat. Love the feedback going yep, on in the chat room. good feedback out of here, so we do appreciate that. Chat room's located at TexasHold'emRadio.com. Uh, you have to register on the site. Once you're registered on the site, you can, too, join us in chat. And um, you'll hear us talking to people, and that's who we're talking to, people that are hanging out in the chat room. Um, there's a, we're getting a lot of this stuff. Uh, I mean, literally a lot of really good stuff. I'm trying to get caught up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's, there's no, little... there's been some great comments. <laughs> Someone was talking about, you know, kind of the middle zone. Um, yes. Yeah, so that's something you and I have talked about a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, that book, I highly, highly, highly recommend it's six chapters long folks. When I bought that's... it, it was three bucks at Amazon. <laughs> I bought it to you know, Kindle edition and it was three bucks and it was six chat. That's six chapters. And it's still one of the best poker books I've ever read. It's game changing. It's if game you, changing. If yes. You, if you really dissect this book and and take take a look at it, it is game changing. It will and save it's you. The middle zone. Yep, it's called the Middle Zone. It was written by Annie Duke and um, John uh, Vorhaus. I think John was basically the one that put it together and edited it and stuff. Um, he might have worked with it. There is a little bit of math in it, but not a lot. I mean, it it it's one of those books that makes you think. And it teaches you not to make bad decisions. Basically, in a nutshell, the hands not to play. It's not about the hands to play or how to play your hands afterwards. It's the hands that get you in trouble, the middle zone. Those hands get you in trouble. And what's ironic is so many poker books tell you what hands to play. Yeah, pretty much all of them. It's great about this book. I think you hooked me on it probably three, four years ago. Yeah, Yeah. right. uh, John sent me a copy of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because John's a buddy of mine. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you haven't read John Borhouse stuff, you need to. He's one of those at the table um, you'll be cussing at. He taught uh, all the he taught the Killer Poker series. He wrote the Killer Poker series of books, and um, they you play those that style the way he teaches. Everybody at the table will hate your guts, but you'll <laughs> win money. But they will yeah. hate your guts. 
care less who hates me. I'm I'm there to make money. I'm not there to make friends. <laughs> yeah. So um, that now yeah. we're going back 2007, 2008 for the Killer Poker series. Uh, but that was a good series of books. John's a very good writer. He explains things very comfortably. But, uh, yeah, the middle zone, those are the hands that get you in trouble. Yep, Jack Magnum, he just pulled up one of the perfect hands, 8-9 suited. That is a middle zone hand. Um, it looks good. You love it. The flop comes out. Let's say you catch one spade and an 8. Mm -hmm. And somebody bets in front of you. You have just gotten put into a really bad decision. Yeah, you're, you're risking chips. Yeah, for very marginal opportunity of return. Of course, it depends on the size of the bet. If somebody limps, sure, I'll limp with it. But then you put yourself into it again where you're going to make another bad decision at the turn. <laughs> it's what comes out if on the turn you, you don't hit nothing. Dunking chips off, yeah. you know. Yeah. And you do that a few hands in the tournament, and you realize, holy crap, I don't have a lot of chips left. Yeah, my money's gone. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I'm basically, where did all this? This was the same thing out of one of the, my other favorite books, and we've talked about this one. And actually, it was the first poker, poker book, I no, well, second poker book I read start to finish. Um, the first poker book I read start to finish was uh, Phil Gordon's Little Green Book, which I still think is a great book for beginners. Which I've was, never read that one, actually. It's a, it's a great book for beginners. It's the for where I learned the two and four rule. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that sort of stuff was in the Little Green Book. Um, it, it's a really good book for beginners. Uh, but then I read David Apostolico's Tournament Poker and the Art of War. Oh, my. That's um, <laughs> another one I highly, highly recommend. And it doesn't show a single hand in the entire book. But it takes uh, Sun Tzu's Art of War and puts it on the poker table. And he did an amazing job doing it. Right. It's a really right. good book. <laughs> But it teaches you about the small blind. Think about it, folks. When you're playing in a tournament, you know, you're just sitting around uh, you know, playing, even in, in live, but uh, primarily online because you get so many more hands uh, where this has an effect. Um, how often when you're in the small blind do you just complete it for the hell of it? Right, right. You know, you just uh, small blind, complete small blind. In cash game, yes. Now we're talking tournament. Tournament, and poker, tournament? And no, I, I fold many times. Yes, because... Every chip to me has value. Exactly. And the way it's put in his book is that you treat your chips as soldiers. And you don't want to put your soldiers out there one at a time to get knocked off by the enemy. Save them up and use them all together when they have value. That's a great way to put it. I've never heard that analogy with soldiers, but you're, I like that. I might steal that one. I like that. Yeah, well, you'd, you'd be stealing it from him because that's where I stole it about. Oh, okay. I, I never heard that laid out that way, but it makes so much sense. But no, in a tournament, you'll see me fold the small blind many, many, many times. Um, it's David Apostolico. Hang on a second. Uh, communist Wade. <laughs> Man. Um, David Apostolico, A-P-A-S-T-O-L-I-C-O. And the book is called Tournament Poker and the Art of War. Blue Genie saying, what about when you have five people in and you complete the blind with any two? Um, I still don't like doing it. I mean, there's five people in the hand. I understand that mentality because that's one of the things that go around. If there's four or five people that have limped into a hand before you, you call with anything. Um, but that's your that's gambling. What did the blinds wait? What did it, you know? Matter. You have to ask yourself, what did the blinds? If, yeah. if if it's a being of a tournament, it's twenty five dollars fifty cents. Yeah, I guess I uh, twenty five fifty whatever. I guess you could do that. But what about later? Let's say it's the same five people in the hand, and you're at level twenty, and the blinds are five thousand and ten thousand. Now what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, and then it's just a potential for mistakes post flop or increased. Exactly. Echo. Okay, uh, the same situation. We're gonna we're gonna work. We're gonna run with what Jeannie brought up here. Uh, there's five yeah. people in, and uh, yeah, okay. There's five people in, so I'm gonna go ahead and complete the blind with any two. All right, the flop comes out, and you catch part of it. You don't have now, the nuts. You catch part of it. Now what? Now what are you gonna do? See, it, it puts you into a situation where you have to make another tough decision, and uh, just like Echo put in here, the potential for mistakes post flop are increased. I, think that's <laughs> I can't repeat that on the air. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I see it as well. And this is great because hopefully we're helping you, Jeannie. You well, know, we're, hopefully we're, we're helping you. And another thing that took me a long time to get through my head on that too is you got to get out of the concept of the, the, the street that you're on. 
okay, whether it be the flop or the turn, you got to start getting in the mindset of, okay, if I do this, what happens next street? Yeah. You know, what's the result on the next street? Forget that I know they, I, it, now it's subconscious. It's like I do it unconscious. I don't care about the street I'm in now. I'm thinking about two streets. The next, what am I doing next? Yeah. How much is it going to cost me? Okay. Let's say, okay, we're, we're using that same example. Okay. We caught part of the flop. We had a couple of people that bet. They were small, you know, smaller bets. So all of a sudden, the pot odds are starting to look a little bit good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to get this kind of value on my money based on this hand. But what kind of hand am I going to get? Is my hand going to increase this next street? I mean, is the next card going to improve my hand? Or am I just kind of hoping that it doesn't improve somebody else's? What I'm saying about all of a sudden, look at these decisions that you're having to make. These are crappy decisions. <laughs> they really are. These are crappy decisions. <laughs> you have to make whichever way you go. You're having to make a tough decision. You right. don't. The more tough decisions you make, the more bad decisions you're going to make. No, hands down. No, you. I. I now always think of, uh, you know, what's happening next. Yeah, got to. You got to, especially in that situation. In a situation like that. Um, you know, and there now, now, okay, you, you, you did, you, you went ahead and completed that blind because you, you know, there's the five cards, five people in. Um, so you went ahead and completed so you can get in there. Okay. You've called one flop bet. The turn comes up and somebody puts in a really heavy bet. You can't call it. Now I'm screwed. Now I'm screwed. Well, yeah. Now, now you, all you can do is fold, you know, and you, and you know it, you see it, you know, you're looking at the cards, you're looking at the board, you're going, well, I didn't hit any of that stuff. This really isn't strong enough. I can't call that, I can't call that raise. Uh, you have two options at that point. You can re-raise on a bluff or you can fold. Now, that's, that's a really funky decision. I mean, you're getting ready to make a very difficult decision there, too. Um, if you fold, which is what most people will do, primarily you're going to fold. You're only supposed to bluff every once in a while. So primarily you're going to fold. Look at the chips that you lost. Right. Yeah. How many blinds? Actually, yeah, how many blinds? Chip. How many blinds did you just lose? Yeah. Think of it that way. Yeah. How many blinds did you just lose? You know, how many soldiers just disappeared that you could have used in another battle later? Yep. So they. When I was actually talking to someone today about the, that sizing and this kind of stuff where he said that, you know, once he gets under 20 bigs, he shoves. Why? Uh, you well, can, I'm you can survive. You don't get don't get in that mindset of once you're under 20 bigs, you got to shove. Well, now, so that's a lot of that's been taught. Um, that little green book I was just talking about by mm-hmm. Bill Gordon. Um, he was uh, where you get to 10 blinds. After that, you shove on any uh, suited connectors. That's a little different, not pair, 20. Two face cards. Um, I still don't do that at 10. I mean, yeah. you know, I've, I've, there's just been too many times I've been able to come back and cash or and do well in a tournament being Myself real short well. stack. Um, yeah. Under 20, that's that's gambling. That's just pure hardcore gambling. I mean, nope. beyond that, uh, if you want to gamble, that's fine. You know, but you got to take into account if you're going to start gambling, uh, the variance is going to be extreme. Yep. You're going to have huge swings. Yep. There's going to be swings all over. I mean, that literally, there are going to be swings all over the place. I'm in a hand with sea eyes. Now, something you also have to remember, folks, is now many tournaments, especially the ones I've been playing in, the um, big blind pays ante as well as the big blind. So that's also a different strategy you got to think about. Yep. Yep. So uh, many yeah. times, especially when you're getting deep in a tournament, let's say the blinds are 5,000, 10,000, and say a 2,000 ante, I'm paying 10,000 plus the 2,000. You know, I'm play, paying 12,000 every time I'm in the big blind. It's a lot of chips. And now with these new techniques that they're coming up where the big blind plays all the antes, um, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sure. there's going to be some WSOP events this year that are using that te- that that new structure. Um, oh, there are. Yeah, I played it. Um, I like it. There are uh, advantages to it, and uh, there are definitely disadvantages to it. I actually like it because for me, it goes into my style of play. Yeah. So it, it it actually works for me. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, you I, wait until you get moved to a final table, and you go from blind, big blind, after doing all of that. 
to a final table, they do a table redraw and put you right back oh, in the get No, trust me, I know. Oh, God. I, I, it's happened. Yeah, I, I lost it. a third of my chip stacks. Mm -hmm. Literally, a third of my chip stack disappeared because I went Just from moving. blind to blind. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So it, it happens to any of us. Yeah, and, and it, yeah, it's going to happen to anybody. You know, that's a total thing. But that really affects your play. You know, I thought, oh man, okay, I'll, I just went through these blinds. I've got a pretty solid stack. We're going into the final table. I feel pretty good. Go right back into the blinds. I'm going. Oh my God! I don't have a really solid stack anymore. It just crushes you. You <laughs> yeah, know, it oh, hurts. Blinds fifty one hundred or something. <laughs> yeah. No. And yeah, we were at fifty thousand, one hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, three hundred thousand chips are gone. <laughs> it, it, it does. What? It blows you away. Yeah. Yeah. It can be painful, but otherwise, uh, the big advantages are it really speeds up the game. Um, it really speeds up the game, and it does change. It do has changed the game up. You got to change your strategies a little bit. I'm confused. Uh, well, we've known that for a long time. Stud Daddy saying I've played cash where button does the ante. There's not ante in the cash game unless you're yeah. talking about uh, a uh, or, or the, the what's the uh, straddle. <laughs> yeah. Straddle. Yeah, that's. I think that's a straddle because you don't. Uh, you don't do an ante. No ante in the cash game. Yeah, there's no ante in cash, but they do do straddles. Yeah. Oh, maybe oh, in some cases, about no, there's a button fee. We don't have that where I play. So. Oh, oh, yeah. Now that could be. Yeah, yeah. Hookers. Yeah, that. Yeah, they, they don't have that where I play out either. Got it. Um, Hooker uh, says straddle you know, would be on the under the gun. No, there's no, Mississippi straddles. <laughs> there's a bunch of different kinds of straddles. <laughs> I've played uh, the sickest games I were in where uh, Jamie Gold used to play a game uh, once a week in Vegas that I was uh, lucky enough to play. I think you remember those days, Wade. And it was a $25 straddle anywhere on the table. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it was the sickest game I've ever been in. Joy actually played that game a few times as well. I was scared crap with both of us in the game because it was pretty pricey. Yeah. yeah. $25 straddle anywhere on the table. So if people don't know what a straddle bet is, <laughs> um, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, especially if you're putting it anywhere on the table. The yeah. couple of places I used to play at regularly, you know, playing cash games, um, uh -huh. if the pot, uh, and we were playing one two twenty, if you know what I'm talking about. With, oh, you know, yeah, you know, I know exactly game. what you're talking about. Um, if the pot got over $200, um, the straddle was automatically put on the winner. <laughs> nice. And it was an automatic straddle. The winner had to pay the straddle. Almost uh, like a kill pot. Yeah, type. oh my, yeah, it's kind of basically a kill pot. You know, same difference, oh. kill pot. You know, a force straddle. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that 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 would now kill pot. Yeah, that's what <laughs> we're probably getting some of these people confused. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope we're not confused there. Yeah, I think we might be getting some of these people confused. Um, and actually, with that confusion, we do need to go to um, a commercial break again. Um, we got to go find out um, some more about that beef jerky. So we, I like the beef jerky. Yeah, well, we we yeah, they're they're one of our sponsors, so um, we got to go uh, spread the word about them for a little bit. So we'll be right back here in just a few minutes with more of the Texas Hold'em Radio Show. You want Vegas? You got it. America's Card Room has your twelve thousand five hundred dollar WSOP main event package waiting for you right now, and winning one is so so easy. Enter a step tourney and climb your way to Sin City. Step start at just 28 cents, making it easy to live that Vegas dream for next to nothing. Prefer a satellite? Then get into WSOP Takedown Week from June 3rd through 9th, where 15 packages are on the line. Or find another satellite, with more added as we get closer to the famous shuffle up and deal. If you win a package, you can take the trip to Vegas or keep the $12,500 cash and do whatever you want with it. Whether you go to Vegas or spend the cash on something else, make sure you're at America's Card Room on July 16th for the start of the $5 million Venom, our biggest ever online poker tournament and the largest one ever seen by a U.S.-facing site. To receive 100% first deposit bonus up to $1,000, new depositor free rolls and free cash up to $50, use code THR.
Here's when you hold them. River card queen of clubs. Are you kidding? A royal flush for Chris Moneymaker. If you're going to win, that's how you win. And here's when you fold them. I commend Dan Shack for having stones so big. They are now considered the islands of the Bahamas, but this bluff is risking crazy amounts of real money. Yeah, we'll work on that timing. I just lost like two million chips. I lost two million chips. This is the Texas Hold'em Radio Show, live on Renegade Talk Radio. Live on Renegade Talk Radio. And welcome back to the Texas Hold'em Radio Show with your host, Wade Andrews and Hal Koblenz. Um, we, were <laughs> we were talking with some terms that might have gotten a few folks confused in that last segment. Um, straddles and kill pots. Basically the same thing, except it, you know, a straddle is normally... God, you can do it under the gun. The one, the two I'm most familiar with are under the gun straddle, mm-hmm. and then what they call a Mississippi straddle, which would be on the, on the button. button. Yeah. Um, now a kill pot is when a pot gets big enough. This is all cash game play, folks. When a pot gets big enough, the house will call it a kill pot, and whoever wins that hand has to put the strap, basically money out on the on the board. And it, it can vary. I mean, you might your andies are one. I mean, your blinds are one in two dollars, but a kill pot can be anywhere from five to twenty-five, or maybe even higher. You know, it just depends on the stakes. Depends on yeah. But it's that's basically the same, and it's treated the same way as a straddle. Um, action goes around, and the big blind still has last action. It's weird, but yep. that's the way it works. I uh, mean, I, I a straddle is. I mean, it generates action. It's, it's, you know, it's just to generate action in the game, um, depending on the kind of game you're playing. Um, when I play my normal everyday cash games, I don't do a straddle. Yeah. I don't participate yeah. in a straddle because um, most of the time you're honestly throwing money away. Yeah, well, it, it's gambling. I mean, yeah. it, it's just flat out gambling, you know, because most of the time when you're playing in these games, if it's not a kill pot kind of setup, when you're playing in these games, the player gets to decide if they want to do a straddle. So you right. get the it's same not- people straddling every opportunity they get, and you also notice that they're the biggest gamblers on the table. Right, and what will happen too, uh, especially for the newer folks, if you're just coming into a cash game, you're fairly new and stuff, oftentimes the table will say, hey, we're all straddling. Are you going to straddle? Listen, it's your money. It's your money. Don't ever get um, intimidated in. into thinking that you have to participate just because everyone else is. You're yeah. you're entitled to say no, and the table just has to deal with it. So don't ever feel pressured because I've seen it happen many times. Oh yeah, I've seen it. You where a bunch if, of jerks pressure people. You've gone to the to the casino to play poker to win money. Now that's your focus. That yes, tell no, say no to the table. If you don't want to do a straddle, say no. Mm-hmm. Um, if they mm-hmm. come up with anything you don't want to do, say no. Um, if you're just going out for entertainment, well, that's, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's up no, to you I, at that point. <laughs> well, think about it. You know, I, I play to make money. Yeah. I play to live. So if I'm playing, think about it, if I'm playing a whole night session and I'm being forced to straddle, let's just say it's $5, you know, I get four, four rounds in an hour. I'm spending $20 on a straddle without you know, let's say I, I'm not playing any other hands, not counting my blinds. So I'm forty, fifty dollars an yeah. hour yeah. in, with a, you know, the, just my nut to crack would be forty dollars an hour. Yeah, uh, Hooker brought up a really interesting question cause from a poker player. Um, so you could have to straddle from the big blind and a kill pot. Yes, <laughs> you could be forced to a kill pot and a big blind. <laughs> if you right. won the hand and you roll into the big blind, yep. <laughs> All of a sudden, that big blind got real big. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just don't like seeing people be forced, and I've seen it. No. I've, I've, I've seen it, and, you know, or, you know, um, a woman sits at the table, and I hate that when they treat women differently. I, I, I'm very opposed to that, and they don't really know what's going on. Oh, you have to straddle. Oh, I, I do? Like, yeah, okay. And they're, you're dishing money out. Yeah. You're dishing money out. You're, you're, on mean, Based on nothing. I mean, right. it, it's based on nothing. You're just kind of kicking some extra bucks out there. You know, you know, doesn't mean your cards are any better, or any worse. So you know, you know, position's not any. You know, it doesn't make much difference. Um, so it, it, you you'll see that in cash games. Of course, you never see that in a tournament. No, 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 no. Now that would be funny. 
That would be funny. A straddle. <laughs> Put yeah, a straddle in a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be a little scary. Um, yeah, especially when you get down close to end the money. I'd be straddling the hell out of people. <laughs> well, if you think about it, the new structure of big blind paying the ante is Kinda, it almost feels like a straddle. Yeah, because it's forcing a lot more chips out of you in there. It's to act you're the last one to act so you do it'll it it it, it plays almost like a straddle yeah yeah i you know now i'm thinking about it that could be really fun i wonder if we could get somebody set that up for us where we could do a tournament it, where you could do a straddle uh, i'm sure you can talk to your friends at binions to let us do that yeah because that would really be fun and especially if we could do it at a, 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 a mississippi straddle <laughs> oh, yeah, think, oh man yeah, yeah that would be fun <laughs> We're at the same table now. We are. Okay. I just realized. Oh, oh, yeah, and I'm on your button. Yeah. That's <laughs> just the way it should be. <laughs> yeah, so uh, um, uh, Jack Mangum was saying, explain, Wade. Explain why. Oh, if we do, <laughs> do a straddle in a tournament. <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah, uh, it, exactly, Blue Genie. <laughs> straddle, all in, nuts, running deep, all poker terms are made by men. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, but the, the women like the other ones. The shove, the push. Those are those are terms that I think the women like. <laughs> Smokey's like, Hal sounds happy because we're talking about poker. <laughs> yeah, because we are talking about poker. Yep. Oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, that's – there's just – you know, when in tournaments, the, the big change, and I, I haven't – you know, I really haven't seen any books come out about it yet, um, is uh, – the with the change in the big blind paying the annies because that no, really no does exactly make a change. Come out with anything about that yet? Yeah, I haven't seen anything yet. Yeah, no, no, that really I mean, does change things. It changes from, a lot. It sure does. I mean, from my experience, I I I feel you have to play it like you're a button. You have to really play it like a button because um, you know it, you're the last to act, but you actually have more invested out there. You know. So you kind of have to play it. I don't know. You play it a little differently. Yeah. You well. You have to. I mean, because look at <laughs> you're getting ready to dump a lot of chips more aggressively. <laughs> I've had. I've had. You know, the tournaments I've been in. Um, I've had success. I've been playing around with it, and I play it. I play it pretty aggressive. Yeah. You know, that's that's how I've been doing it. If there's no raises. And it's a limp to me, and, you know, it's the big blind ante. And I'm not talking in the early stages of a tournament. I'm talking late in the tournament where there's a lot of chips out there. I'm, I'm you know, playing a little different. Yeah. Well, That's yeah. all I'll say. I'm playing a little different. Well, in cash, so much of it is pot odds. Yeah, cash is a different story. Yeah, so much of it is pot odds. So all of a sudden... Um, you know, we got these straddles going in here, and we got these, uh, you know, this, the, the kill pots and stuff. The pot odds change. All of a sudden, that pot became a lot more valuable before you even looked at your cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so it's just, it kind of, it kind of, yeah. <laughs> you know, pot odds different. 100% in a cash tournament, and and I play a lot via pot odds, you know, when I'm playing cash games. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's where you make your money. Right. That and finding the, the, the suckers at the table. Or, you I know, mean, not oh, the suckers, I should say, the less experienced players. Or the, right. <laughs> or and, the players and, that are drunk. You know, and I guess we talked about tournament play and bet sizing, and now we're shifting a little to to cash game play. Total different game. Total different game. I can't play a cash game the way Wade plays a tournament game with regards to bet sizing. No. It, it, no. You're, you're going to lose. You're going to lose money. Uh-huh. You're gonna lose money, so cash game is totally different. And you gotta remember, it's real. It's cash. You know, in tournament, you're only losing, and I don't mean only, but you're losing whatever your buy-in was. Yeah, a preset when amount. You're playing a cash game, sometimes people forget that it's only chips, but those chips represent cash. And then it's many a quiet ride home when you when you forget that that's real cash at the end of the night and you're like oh shit <laughs> you know i did four buy-ins you know um it's real money and you got to and you know i track all my play every every night i play i track sure. how much i'm invested in the game cuz you know i have to know where i am at the end of the week did i make money this week or did i lose money this week yeah you got to know i mean when you're playing when you're playing for real I mean, if you're playing to supplement your income, I'm not talking about, 
you know, there's a there's different kinds of entertainment players. There's entertainment players that don't care. You know, they're just here for they come in and hang out at the table. And this is at every level. Of course, there's a lot more of micro stakes, but it goes all the way up to the top. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're getting drunk. They're partying. They're having fun, you know, doing all this kind of crazy stuff, you know, just having a great time. Um, there's that kind of entertainment player. There's another entertainment player that the only time they really get to play is maybe once or twice a week. They really enjoy it, but they take the game seriously. But they just, you know, that that's not, they're not planning to make, you know, they're not determined to make uh, or have to make money off of it. Then you have what I consider how to be a semi-pro. A semi-pro supplements their income by playing poker, but they don't play poker full-time. It's a supplemental income. Uh, these are folks that take things very seriously. You call A lot of people call them uh, grinders, but they're part-time mm-hmm. grinders. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's I mean, a, I, I, I need to supplement. I mean, that's why I play. I mean, it's a, you know, it supplements yeah. my income. It supplements your income. So you would be considered a semi-pro. And then you have the pros. You know, that's how they make a living is uh, mm. playing poker and endorsements. You know, that that's how they make their living. Um, so you get, you know, there's different kind of players, different kind of levels. And this makes it even worse again for you folks. Um, you uh, have to play different against every different kind. Oh, that you do. Yeah, we've yeah. got, you've got your, your players at the table you got to watch for, your tight players, loose players. You know, uber aggressive players, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then now you also go to. All right, is this the entertainment players? This is a serious player. The ones that are coming in right before the. They got tickets with their wife at Phantom. You know, at the at the you know Bellagio or something, and they bring their wife to sit behind them. And honey, I'm just gonna play for an hour. <laughs> we love those. Uh huh. Just gonna play for an hour. So sit back here, and we'll we'll just be here for a little bit. You don't even pay any attention to the guy that's playing cards. Or growl, because I've seen it both ways. I've seen a girl sitting at the table where the boyfriend sat behind him. Oh, yeah, same thing. Yeah, (laughs) he busted just as as anybody else. You don't watch the person playing cards. You watch the one behind them. It's amazing how much information you can get. You can get everything. (laughs) You can get everything. Especially when the wife or boyfriend behind starts nudging them. Yeah, just poking them with an elbow, or their eyes get real big, or they sit up straight real fast. You just kind of fold these damn cards. (laughs) We love those players. We love those. And those players have its disposable income because they're just there, as Wade said, for entertainment and for the hours. Whatever's on the table, they're willing to lose. They, that's just that's their disposable income. So they they put three hundred down, whatever it is, and you know, honey, let you know we're gonna play for an hour. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna <laughs> play for an hour. I love that. Yeah, I love those players. Yeah, and it's just kind of okay. Well, let's uh, well, let's get ready to make some quick money. And you can uh, tell who at the table knows what the hell's going on because you look around. And it looks like a bunch of hungry wolves. <laughs> people licking people their chops. <laughs> Like hanging out from the sides of their mouth like drool, you know. <laughs> yeah, washing their hands and stuff, yeah. <laughs> you see all the regulars just look like drool, drool coming out. <laughs> you get that evil laughter coming out of the guy down at the end. Yeah. And then there's the guy. I, I, I sat with this guy uh, just recently, last week. Then there's the guy who methodically, methodically lines up every line of his chips. While he's sitting there, just lines them all up, make sure every is nice and perfect, make sure his stack is nice and perfect. What kind of player is that? He's a super tight player. Super tight, anal retentive tight player. But he's yep. also going to have notes on every single player at the table. Absolutely. So he's a methodical player, and he's a player who's going to, if, if he's and he's got something he's got a piece so you just have to know that you know that your piece is better or whatever you know you got to know how to play them mm-hmm. but anytime that that uber tight players in the hand look out look out yeah uh be if you i'm not saying immediately fold but really take a look at your hand oh especially if he's raising yeah and he's in position Yep. There's a guy I play with almost every week. He's at my table, and he methodically lines up the chips, and that's that's how he plays. I you know? kind of keep myself occupied with my chips. I'm always shuffling. I'm y'all always shuffling. Me too. Yeah, you, y'all, y'all hear that while we're on air. Um, I'm always shuffling chips. Um, but we've talked about it before. You, when you're shuffling your chips, you're doing everything consistent. Yeah, very 
you're probably very methodical on how you're shuffling those chips to never change your pattern per se. How many times do you see the person at the, and we've talked about, but you see the person shuffling chips and then immediately stop <laughs> once that flop comes out. Yeah. That's telling you more information. Yeah, more info just got put there. Oh, you know, Blue Genie's talking about, tell me again about final table chip stack. She's in a tournament and has 195K, okay. and the average chip stack is 165. You're above average. You, if you're at the final table, you're going to make, I mean, uh, if you, as long as you stay above average chip stack, you will make the final table. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that, that's just simple math. I mean, the very Whenever basic. Whenever you're in a tournament, always yeah. look at the average. They post it all that. the time. Yeah, as long as you stay above average, you'll make the final table. Mm -hmm. Now, final table... Um. Uh, uh, oh yeah, you can stay right above average. Yeah, as long as you stay right above average. Oh okay. Yeah, you got. Uh, you'll make the final table. It's just. It's just the way it works. You know. And then the final table. I play pretty much when I get to a final table. I play pretty much the same way I, I play in the latter part of a tournament. You know, good. Just yeah. good decision poker kind of stuff. Um. Once it gets down to about six handed, that's when the pirate poker starts, though. And that's well, where you can your range has to open, not tighten at that point. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make everybody else's range tighten because right. I'm gonna start playing very aggressive poker, and it tends to flip people. Because okay, you've been at the final table. Let's say it's a nine person final table. Mm -hmm. um, you nine people. You know you've been playing a few hands, playing around. They're seeing that you're just playing, you know, good solid poker. You're not doing anything crazy. You're just playing good solid poker. So you're just taking it easy. And uh, so they kind of get used to you. Okay, we're at the final table. We're all basically in the money or very close to it. Um, see how this guy plays. I see how this guy plays. And then all of a sudden, you don't play that way anymore. Now they're folding because they, now they they're going, okay, he's been playing steady. He's got a hand now. What happened? Yeah, what yes. happened? Um, it's you know It gets to raise or fold time. At that point, it is raise or fold. That's the only options there are is right. raise or fold. Um, okay, now if I'm in the big blind, now I shouldn't, you know, when my when it's my action, I will raise or fold. If I'm in the big blind, I'll check, you know, because I, I didn't have to do nothing. I already got money in. Uh, right. If I'm in the big blind and everybody limps, I'll check. But if I'm in the small blind or it's my action, I'm going to raise or fold. Just that simple. Yep, I do the same thing. Do the same exact thing. And that's how you have to play. And um, but your range of raising is definitely wider because you got to remember when you're four, five, six-handed, that you can't wait for pocket pair every time. <laughs> yeah, you know, so your range has to open up. You know, well, yes, you get so anytime you get your your table starts to shrink, your range has to go up. It has to change. When the mm -hmm. table, the amount of players at a table shrinks, the number of hands you play should go up. And just in case, what we mean by range is you're starting two cards. Yeah. The starting you... two cards that you're going to play with opens up, meaning you're not just waiting for pairs, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's it for us tonight, dude. We we, we got some good stuff. We, we can talk for hours. <laughs> we got some good stuff, but uh, that's it for the Texas Hold'em Radio Show. Be sure to tune in at Renegade Talk Radio. Um, you can also find us on Podomatic. Um, I think, oh God, they're, they're putting us everywhere now. The Texas Hold'em Radio Show is going everywhere now. And it's getting ready to expand out even more. So uh, hopefully you'll join us on Friday nights when we do the Texas Hold'em Radio Show. Join us in chat and ask your questions. We have a great time there. And uh, that's it for us this evening. So say good night, Hal. Have a great night, everyone. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next week on the Texas Hold'em Radio Show. This is the Texas Hold'em Radio Show, live on Renegade Talk Radio. Live on Renegade Talk Radio.